This week on the Have Form, the Montreal Canadiens are officially in the playoffs. No more plans, the actual playoffs against the Philadelphia Flyers. So we're obviously going to preview that series, talk quickly about what happened in the Penguins series and how we managed to beat them. Uh, also, we saw the lottery. It's not the worst. The Rangers win the lottery. At least it's not the Leafs or anyone. Uh, I mean, the Leafs was the worst case scenario. I think all have fans would agree on that. We're going to talk about the value of the experience we're getting versus a better pick. And uh, aside from that, there's a bit of news to talk about. We'll talk about the, the lines going into it, what kind of lines we uh, we hope Claude Junier runs out there. Actually made some changes at the end of the Pittsburgh series, so that's interesting. Uh, where a certain Cole Caulfield will play next year if his league uh, gets uh, gets canceled, which is looking likely. And also we're going to get back on the previewing some prospect line now that we know the pick is more than... I mean, we have hope. You never know, but likely as of right now will be the 16th overall pick. So we'll talk about Dawson Mercer, who is a potential guy who can be in that range. So let's get started with, first of all, the Canadians. They won. I mean, Dustin, you thought they were going to win one more game. I thought they were, they were done. That's right. Well, first of all, <laughs> we do have to talk about who we're sponsored by, of course. That's true. I forgot. We're sponsored by someone. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, manscaped.com guys. So check out manscaped.com and their new product, the lawnmower 3.0 that they sent us. Great product, especially if you're newly single like myself, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I mean, with the bars opening up and stuff like that, it's a great thing to have. I mean, you know, you want to be ready. You want to be fresh too, with a lot of their products that they have. It's definitely a good, uh, some good stuff to have, uh, especially if you're starting to go to the bar and you're uh, trying to pick up the ladies. Well, specifically All right. for the bar, the the ball wipes that they have, yes, I think, that's can come in very handy because we know how a long night at the bar down there gets a bit a bit dangerous. I know a lot of girls that wouldn't want to go down there after a night at the bar. Exactly, especially in the summer, <laughs> and it's exactly. been pretty hot the last couple of days here in Montreal. So definitely, those ball wipes have been a lifesaver. Brought one on my date last week. It was great. Um, and yeah, so definitely go check that out. Manscaped.com use promo code Habs forum for 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Okay, perfect. So now back to it, Dustin, you thought they were going to be winning that the, the, the Canadians would win one more game, but penguins were going to win uh, overall. I thought they were done for, I mean, our last podcast was after game two, uh, which was, uh, was it after game two? It was after the game that the Canadians got like main the most outplayed out, out of the whole series, basically. Yeah, which was uh, which was game two. Um, so, uh, well, I mean, it was the only game they lost, right? <laughs> During the Fair season. enough. Um, I mean, well, even in the first game, I thought they got uh, you know, they, I mean, not to go back to the first game, we've already covered that, but I mean, they got outplayed in the first game too. But I mean, in the third and fourth games. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh obviously played really well, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think goaltending was you know the main factor in this i don't know but that's the thing that's crazy to me though that the goaltending i agree in game three and game four price played well don't get me wrong but at the end of the day he only made 22 saves and i think what surprised me the most and what gives me the most hope going into the flyer series is the team played some pretty solid team defense in that last game they did they, they played a very like a very shelled sort of defense i mean they, they didn't really take too many chances either they were playing very defensively. Um, so you're, I mean, you're definitely right. They, they obviously didn't give up too many opportunities, not to, they didn't give up too many shots either, but they also didn't really 
produce much. I mean, obviously they produced enough offensively to win the game and the series, but, but I mean, you know, I mean, that's probably the, the way that they're going to have to play against the Flyers too. I mean, the Flyers are going to be, uh, are going to be tough, but I mean, they, 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 they did what they had to do against the Penguins at the end of the day. I mean, the, some of their guys stepped up, you know, I mean, guys like Suzuki, guys like Kukini, I mean, as well, Jeff Petrie, obviously, and, and Carey Price, at the end of the day, he did what he had to, to for the Canadians to win. But here's the thing. We're seeing the Montreal Canadiens play at the – like, say what you will about the roster. It's pl- The roster that we have right now is playing pretty much at the top level that this roster can. We have the young players kind of progressing and looking good. And the veteran players, guys like Shea Weber and Carey Price – well rested and playing at the top of their games right now. I mean, K- K- Carey Price looks like the Carey Price that won the Vezina Trophy right now, and and I said it multiple not multiple times throughout the the year on the podcast. And I, I know it's 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 easy to blame the goalie all the time, but the, the reality is, if you're going to build your team around a goaltender that's getting paid 10.5 million dollars a year, your goalie needs to play like a goaltender that makes 10.5 million dollars a year. And for the last two seasons, those times have been. I mean, don't get me wrong. He had some strong games, but, you know, a lot of games where he wasn't playing up to that standard. He's playing up to that standard right now, and it's showing. That I mean, the, the, the Penguins, honestly, they in the last game, they looked defeated already. Like, they, they just didn't think they can get one past Price, and they, the Canadians just needed one pretty lucky bounce in the in the Lekkonen goal, and, and, and they won the series. If Price keeps playing like that, realistically, they can beat anyone if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the way that he played, I, I can't remember the last time that Carey Price was play, has played this good. I mean, like you said, probably back to when he won the Vezina and the, the Hart Trophy. But uh, I, definitely, if he can keep this up, then there's definitely no reason to think that they can't beat the Flyers. I mean, they've they've had success this season against the Flyers. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a great series. But, I mean, if Carey Price can, can continue to play the way that he played against the Penguins, then definitely, I mean... Maybe you know, maybe they're looking at a cup run. Who knows? But it really wasn't only Price, though, because the defense, which has been the biggest issue for the Montreal Canadiens this year, I think, uh, even when Price struggled, uh, like sometimes the, the Price struggles, I think, are overstated because of how poor our defense is. Our defense has been was so solid in that in that round. You have Shea Weber was well rested, playing like a number one defenseman. Ben Chirot kind of being being his usual kind of stable self. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that being a top pairing. Jeff Petrie playing like a man possessed out there. He he, he outside of Price, he's, he was one of the best players for for the Montreal Canadiens with two game winning goals. And Brett Kulak, I mean, don't get me wrong, he has his moments where he he reminds you he's Brett Kulak. He makes some mistakes here and there, but he also had some moments where he 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 looked like he was a great offensive defenseman all of a sudden. Like that second pairing was looking like a solid second, better than I've seen it uh, all all year, honestly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kulak, I thought in, uh, I think it was game five that he, he definitely had some issues in, in, in game five. Um, where, in, I mean, in lost, game lost, five? Lost. In game five in the series that we won in four games? Oh, yeah. that's Yeah. I meant game four. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, game four. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely had some amazing moments reminiscent of, of basically his first season with the Canadians where he was looking like a top four defenseman. Even, you know, his first season with the Canadians, he even had some uh, some time on the first pairing. Um, so, I mean, he definitely had some great moments moving the puck. You know, he moved the puck really well, took a lot of chances. I mean, sometimes he did get burnt with those chances. But, I mean, for the most part, the way that he played was was fantastic. I mean, if he can keep that up, then that gives the Canadians a pretty solid top four right there. Uh, the third pairing <laughs> has been a bit of a disaster. 
with yeah. uh, with Xavier Ouellette and especially Victor Mete. I mean, you do have to sort of give it to Victor Mete. I mean, let you know, let's not forget he's playing his offhand here. Typically plays on the left side, playing on the right side here. He's still young. Obviously not the best situation. Um, so I mean, you know, that maybe they'll in the in the flyer series maybe they'll look to use you know a, a tougher defenseman like Juleson and Fleury are obviously better options than Mete if you're looking for a little bit of grit and a little bit of physicality. But um, I mean, Wait, w- yeah. would you not put Juleson or Fleury over Wellette and just put Mete on his left side where he belongs? I think that's the move personally. I mean, I think I think Mete has like proven that he can't. He his struggles might be mainly because. He's playing on his offside. He's earned a spot more than Willett has overall, uh, I would say. I mean, I just don't yeah. understand why Willett's still playing. Just put Juleson or Flurry, who's proven he as as a bottom pairing. I'm I'm confident in Flurry's abilities, and with Mete next to him, I, I don't see why that would be an issue, really. No, I think I think that definitely makes sense. Uh, I'm not sure that Claude, knowing Claude Julien, if he's going to want to play two really young defensemen on the third pairing, um, so he might want to keep Willette, who I don't think Willette has been that bad. It was, it was really Victor Mete that, that was struggling on his offhand. Again, I don't, I'm not sure that Claude Julien is going to be comfortable playing with two guys that are, you know, 21, 22 years old on the third pairing in, in the playoffs against the Flyers. Um, and, you know, so it's, it, 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 I mean, Mete, Mete if, if it was up to me, I, I probably would play, you know, Mete and, uh, I don't know, Juleson or Fleury, I don't think he can really go wrong with either one of them whoever's looking best in practice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes sense to, to take Wellet out and then put uh, Juleson or Fleury on the right side of Mete. And if we move to the, to the forwards, what's, what was very interesting and I actually liked was how Julien played with his lines, moving Danu off of the, the Tatar-Gallagher line, which it's been a line that's been together for a very long time at this point. They, they have proven chemistry. But I have thought for a bit that, okay, they have chemistry together, sure, but maybe we need to have some of those guys on other lines. And playing Suzuki in between then and Dano playing a true shutdown role with, in between Lekkonen and Byron, I mean, that's that's an elite line there, if you ask me. And then you have Kutkinyemi, who was stepped up in the series, playing kind of second center role. Dwayne, who's looked like a new man after uh, getting that one goal, just actually, it, it's crazy how much confidence affects this this guy's this guy's game. I kind of like the lines the way they are. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Julien reverts back to the classic uh, Dano Tatar Gallagher line. I wouldn't necessarily blame him, but I like the option of, of being able to play with the lines a little bit like that. Yeah, I definitely think he, he will go back to that heading into, you know, at least to start off the series. But yeah, it was interesting definitely to see him mix up those lines. Uh, it, it was definitely pretty surprising, but at the same time, I mean, I, I thought that you know, Suzuki definitely was playing better than Dano, and you could def- and I would say that you could probably make an argument that Kakanyemi was playing better than Dano against the Penguins. Dano uh, honestly was the most surprising on one of the most surprising performances of that series because he's one of those guys I would expect to be a playoff performer, but kind of disappointing honestly in this series. Yeah, he did. Uh, he definitely did disappoint uh, a little bit, and at the same time, that the line really wasn't producing. I mean, uh, Tatar was pretty much invisible. I mean, Gallagher obviously is Gallagher. You always see him, but I, I don't. Did he even have any points? I don't think so against the against the Penguins. So I'm not. I'm not overly surprised that they uh, that they did split the split the trio up. And, and I think. I mean, if if they aren't producing against the Flyers and, you know, he, he knows that he can switch up the lines and that the Canadians can, uh, can still have some success offensively. 
And, and I, I, it just, I love the look of it because it just feels like a glimpse of the future for this team, right? We've always said, as much as we love Philip Deno, that on a great, great team, he's the third line center, an amazing third line center, but he's that third line center, maybe a second line center. Yishlot Suzuki, in, who has shown glimpses of definitely being a number one center there, and then Kudkinyami, who's coming into his own. The, the, like no player has benefited more on the Canadians from this. Uh, this like extra offseason we got, then Kotkaniemi. And I just, I really like that line with Roy and, and Armia there. And w- one of my favorite stats I saw coming out of the uh, of the first kind of playing arounds was how Kotkaniemi was averaging 4.75 hits per game, which is huge. While if you combine Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander on the Leafs, they combined for 4.6 hits per game. Uh, so on his own, he's out hitting that uh, that that top four that gets paid like what is it like thirty five million dollars on the Leafs, and it's just this physical aspect that he's added to his game that we weren't seeing before. He's really developing into the type of center we are hoping he could be. It's 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 really it's really great to see. Absolutely, I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, he's probably one of the one of the players, at least on the Canadians, that's benefited the most from the from the time off. I mean, you know, first of all, he was able to heal up some of the some of the, I think, nagging injuries that he had. He was also able to do some work. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, he's come back a lot, I mean, a lot better. And I think with, he's playing with a lot more confidence right now. And obviously getting, um, you know, scoring in the, the right right as soon as he scored that first goal. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a pretty goal by any, by any stretch. But I mean, he seems to be playing with confidence since since the since the playoffs have started. And, uh, and hopefully he can keep it up. But the, the, I love seeing young players score, quote-unquote, not pretty goals. Because if you're a young player that gets drafted top three uh, or whatever in the first round, you have skill, and you you know how to get a shoot a puck. You've done it your, your whole life. What I want to see is those types of players crashing the net, getting those, those – being in the right place at the right time and getting goals. It's not a coincidence that some of the best goal scorers ever – just happen to get a bunch of tap-in goals. It's not that they are lucky their entire career. Is that they they understand the game. They understand where the puck is going to end up after a shot or or any given situation, and they're in the right place and they react the right way. Now I know how that goal looked. I mean, it just bounced off someone, hit him, and but he was where he needed to be, and then he got the goal. So I actually love seeing those types of goals from a guy like Kudkini. I mean, I don't think he would have been in that spot uh, at another point, maybe even at the beginning of this season. No, that's definitely true. I mean, uh, like you said, you'd love to see him around the net, and that's definitely something that that I'm noticing a lot more from him, uh, at least uh, you know against the Penguins. You know, he, uh, he obviously he did a lot of work in the off season. He he did a lot of work too. You know, in the games that he played in Laval with uh, with Joel Bouchard, and it seems to seems to be working. Definitely what he's done. So, I mean, hopefully he can keep it up here against the Flyers. The Flyers are definitely going to be a a different beast than the Penguins. They're a much more physical team. Um, so we'll see how he, if he, if he can still manage that 4.75 hits a game, but uh, I mean, hopefully he can, and hopefully he can, uh, he can uh, keep up with the Flyers. And what's interesting about that hit stat too, it's always been uh, a stat that's a bit kind of questionable uh, in the NHL. Anyone who's ever uh, been in any sort of hockey pool, like on Yahoo Sports or what have you, that includes hits, has noticed that some teams, the arenas just seem to count them more and other teams they don't count them as much like historically uh, i don't i don't play fantasy hockey as much as i used to but i remember the new york islanders were always a team where they had an insane amount of hits every single game 
and they always had the top few guys in the in the league for hits. So it's like, do I trust this stat? And it, it's it's kind of just up to the discretion of whoever's tracking it. But I would assume the same guys tracking the hits for all these games, they're all played in the same arena. <laughs> you would think so. I mean, and the, and there and there's no like favorites. Like it's not like you're giving more hits to your home team, right? It's just. I mean, I don't know who was hired to calculate the hits, but I don't know, it's just a stat I've never really trusted because I know some teams love to pad that stat, but I, I, there's no way it's getting padded just for the Canadians in Toronto, right? Oh, exactly. Well, I, I mean, I think that's fair. You know, I mean, it's it's obviously a stat that you have to take with a grain of salt, but I mean, I think it's definitely noticeable that he's throwing his weight around out there and he is sure. finishing finishing plays, finishing his checks. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you want to see. I mean, Kakinami, yes, he probably, you know, he's still obviously young. He's 20 years old. He probably has to put on some muscle before he really hits, um, you know, his ceiling. Obviously, I mean, he's, he's still pretty young. But, I mean, that's that's because he's such a big guy and he's just going to keep getting bigger. I mean, that's that's sort of the, the, the type of game that you'd probably like to see him play moving forward. And, uh, I mean, if he can keep playing physical like that, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be great. And just 19 is the key because as far as forwards progression goes, the slowest players in the history of the NHL have always been the big centers. The big centers always take a bit longer to develop to get to that really where they're going to be at their peak, right? Cook Kenyemi's 19 years old. He, he is far from being what the player he's going to end up being. And the, just the progress we're seeing, I think, is, uh, is, is a great sign. But m- moving away from the Penns Flyers series, so, I mean, We've talked about this on the podcast before. We're a podcast that talks a lot about prospects. We focus on the young players. Part of us definitely hope the Canadians would lose so they would get into the lottery. And I think a lot of Habs fans uh, felt the same way. Now, when the Canadians won against Pittsburgh, it it was weird to watch. Like, I was rooting for them, but I didn't know if I should root for them. And then the Leafs lost, and then I was kind of rooting for the Leafs because I didn't want them to get left in the air. I was part of me was terrified. I was stressed out watching the lottery almost as much as I would have been if the Canadians were in it. Because if the Leafs came out with Lafreniere, it would just it would just would have soured absolutely everything. And I think there's three main teams people didn't want to see win: the Leafs for obvious screw the Leafs reasons. The Pens, because they've got Crosby. Before that, they had Lemire. I mean, like, they don't deserve it. And Edmonton just keeps getting the first overall picks. Fourth, the team that people probably didn't want to see is probably the Rangers, but they ended up winning. But I think we're all, we'll all take it. I think, I think we're all pretty happy with the Rangers win. But how crazy was that lottery? And so goofy with Batman just standing there confirming the names of the teams and all that. It, it was just such a weird thing to watch. So awkward. Oh my god! Like they, they couldn't figure out a better way to do it. Like I don't know. It it, it was really, it, it was done pretty poorly for and, sure. And how perfect is it that the guy dropped the Rangers ball? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously the conspiracy theorists are going to be uh, pretty happy about that one, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, uh, that would happen. I mean, 2020, right? But uh, I mean, I, it, it's one of those things. If he ends up being an elite player in the NHL, which is a good chance he will become, he's gonna, it's gonna get talked about for his whole career. Everyone's always gonna say that that, that draft was rigged. But there's people that still talk about uh, NBA drafts they think were rigged, like 20 years later and all that. That's one of those things that is always gonna get talked about. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah, for sure. 
For sure. I mean, you know, people are always going to point to this. Uh, I mean, Lafreniere, for sure. I mean, there's, you know, every reason to believe that he's going to be a, a top end player, especially. I mean, that they've they're going to have such a great young team too. I mean, they're 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 going to be pretty scary to watch. Um, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, Toronto was the worst case scenario. I would have pretty much been happy. Well, Toronto and of course Pittsburgh, because I mean, you wouldn't want to see Pittsburgh win because. You know, then it would be like the Canadians basically would have got first overall. Now, I don't uh, agree with that. That's not how like odds work. If if the yeah, if well, it, everything would be different, the, 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 that's not how the world works. That the Canadians ball would have just replaced the Pittsburgh ball and then they would have won. Like everything, it's a butterfly effect. Everything would have been different. Okay, maybe the guy doesn't even drop the Rangers ball. You know, it, it's every, everything changes if one team is different. It doesn't guarantee if the Pittsburgh Penguins won that the Canadians would have won. I do agree that it would have been annoying if they would have won because a lot of people would have said that, but a lot of people would have been stupid to say that. Somebody posted on Twitter, I, I, I can't remember who, who it was, posted yesterday that they did it in alphabetical order, right? Like they, they put the balls in alphabetical order. Yeah. If, yeah. if Montreal would have lost, Montreal would have been in, <laughs> in the Rangers slot, apparently. So. Yeah, but once again, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like you saw how the balls go in the like the lottery thing. You you can draw that, put the balls in in the same order at the same time a million times. Well, not a million times. There's only so so many results, but like, I mean, like, it's not going to be the same team every time. It's 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 all dumb luck, you know. Oh. So it's just I I get wanting the conspiracy or to the what if scenarios and all that, but there's no guarantee. At the end of the day, it was just a twelve percent chance. No, definitely. I mean, the the Rangers. I mean, obviously, we we all hate the Rangers for. I mean, we all know why. You know, for, because of Chris Kreider and then the uh, conference finals a couple of years ago, but. I mean, you know, there definitely could have been worst case, uh, you know, worst scenarios. And anyone well, but part, the Leafs. Part of me, though, part of me, though, because, like, one of the reasons why we're so focused on this one is because he was a local kid, right? He's from Quebec and all that. I think it's kind of cool that there might be a, a French-Canadian superstar in New York City. I, I, I do kind of like like the idea of that. So I, I don't hate that he uh, he's going there. So I think it'll be fun. I mean, well. Uh, we'll we'll get to see him play more often than if he ended up in the West. It's just I, I'm I know you still hold a grudge against the Rangers. I'm kind of indifferent to the Rangers if I'm being uh, honest. They'll be a strong team. They'll be fun to watch. But yeah, it it is what it is. Now what what I kind of want to talk about now is all the people saying that oh my God this is the worst. If we get swept in the first round, it's uh, it's such a waste of time. Blah blah blah. I just I maybe would have thought that way at first, but just with the way our players have progressed in the playing round, even if the Canadians get swept in the first round by the Flyers, which I don't necessarily think is going to happen, but even if that does happen, I think the first round experience, the the, the experience of winning the playing round, the experience of playing in the in the first round, plus what is going to be would be at that point a 16th overall pick, is just as if not more valuable than getting the ninth overall pick. I mean, is, is the difference between 9th and 16th that great that you want to give up all that priceless experience for your young players? I mean, it, it is pr- there is a pretty big difference between, like, the prospects that you could select at 9 compared to what you could get at 16. But, I mean, I think especially the way that the young guys, like, you know, particularly Suzuki and Kakanyemi played in the first round, I mean, if they can continue to, to, to have the sort of breakout that they've had so far, through however long this is going to last for the Canadians, that I, I mean, I think that the experience they're getting right now is going to be, you know, huge moving forward. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it is at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's going to be really exciting to see the Canadians. Um, I mean, I definitely think they have a shot against the Flyers, and you know, maybe they can potentially make a run, especially if Price continues playing the way the, the way that he is. So it's going to be great for the kids. It's going to be great for the city. It's going to be great for the fans. So yes, at the end of the day, it does kind of suck not having you know the potential game breaker that we could have at nine. But there are going to be a lot of good uh, good players left at sixteen as well. You know, not necessarily the same caliber. Now, how often has sixteen? overall been better than ninth overall like you never know like no for, i mean for sure you, you know it's it's always a bit of a roll of the dice of course uh when, whenever you're you know picking basically anyone but uh you know maybe out of the top three it's always going to be a bit of a, a crapshoot but i mean they're definitely going to still get a good prospect at 16 so i mean it's, it's really not the end of the world i mean they have three second round picks two third round picks so i mean they're going to be drafting a lot of great prospects here at the in the next draft and whoever they do get at 16 you know if, if they do end up staying at 16 is is going to be a solid prospect exactly and like you said they have a bunch of other picks i mean i and i really just think this experience that the the, the, the team is getting is, is is for the best i mean you look at a team like the edmonton oilers that for so long they've lost it's it's like this this team is even though they have a a, a, a huge amount of talent and they, they've had different kind of even before they had Connor mcdavid they had Taylor Hall, they they had some solid teams and they could just never win. And there's one of those things that if a team keeps losing, and then the young players coming up come up in a losing environment. There's something to be said about that they don't learn how to win. And I think getting that series win and getting knowing what it, what it takes to kind of win those types of games is going to be huge for, for for the progression of the of the other young players on, on the team. I, and I, at this point, I'll, I'll personally take that over getting the ninth overall pick versus getting the sixteenth uh, overall pick. I, I just don't think that the difference there is big enough. I, I understand that there, there's a drop after the top ten in this draft, but that experience is still really, really valuable. So I, I'm not mad at it at all. It's not, it's not just cup or bust. I mean, that's not how it works. You, your team needs to develop as winners, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think the Edmonton, uh, you know, uh, comparison is, is, is definitely pretty good. I mean, obviously they've had a lot of great young players. They, they've never been able to piece it together and, and they've always, you know, they basically, it would seem sort of like have a losing culture there, which is definitely not something that you want here in the Canadians. And, and I mean, any, you know, it's, the further they, that they can go in these playoffs, the more it's going to help in the future. So, I mean, hopefully they can keep it up. And yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, yes, we're not maybe getting the same type of prospect, but I mean, it's still going to be a really good prospect. And and the the experience that some of the young guys are getting now is definitely going to be invaluable. I mean, wasn't Nick Suzuki like a 14th or 15th overall pick? Uh, I think it was uh, 13 or 14. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, and uh, I wonder who was drafted ninth. Was he as good as Nick Suzuki? I'd have to look it up. But let, let, let me pull it up right now, just out of curiosity. That's just because every year we talk about like, oh, there's a big gap after this. But, and then every year the best player in the draft ends up being like, I mean, often it's the first overall pick, but often it's the 23rd over. Like you never know, really, especially when you get into tens, then there's such a, a variety that it's 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 really a bit of a, a crapshoot to give up on what you could get there. So here, there you go. Nick Suzuki, 13th overall to Vegas in 2017. And the ninth overall pick was Michael Rasmussen. And, don't know that much about Ma- Michael Rasmussen, but I'll take uh, Nick yeah. Suzuki over him. Well, who was drafted 16th? Though? Uh, Juicy Valley Mackey. But I mean, th- you get my point, though. Okay, you just yeah. <laughs> stop with your semantics. Okay, Robert Thomas was drafted 20th. 
Philip Shithill was drafted 21st. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you, like there's always a chance. Henry Yogiarju is drafted 29th. He's great. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I think there's still a potential of getting a really, really solid player if we do end up drafting 16th. And this experience is worth it. So I, I don't want to hear any more of that now that now that it's the actual playoffs and there's no reason to kind of like there's no lottery lingering and all that. I'm just looking forward to actually enjoying these games. And being stressed out of my mind every single day there's a Habs game and just losing my mind every, day, every time there's a goal. It just When's the last time we had that? And I didn't think we were going to have it this year. So I'm just hyped, really, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, in the first round, you sort of always had that uh, we could get Lafreniere in the back of your mind. So while you're dead, like, at least for me, I was definitely cheering for the Canadians. But at the same time, like, you almost weren't sure. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. So you- now it's going to be, you know, you, you can cheer 100%. You don't have anything in the back of your mind. so Exactly. Hope- I mean, when Shea Weber got the empty net goal off the, the stanchion to seal the series, I just started laughing. I just couldn't believe it. I was just laughing. It was, it was insane to me. But, like, if yeah. the same thing happens against the Flyers, I'm going to lose my mind, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun for sure. So you touched on it already. I definitely think the Canadians have a chance against the Flyers. I mean, uh, looking at the matchup there, I mean, not to discredit the Flyers. The Flyers are a very good team. So so are the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they've looked very good in the round robin. I mean, I don't know how seriously we need to consider the round robin games because like, part of me just thinks those games didn't mean that much to the team. So they they weren't playoff games, right? They were kind of an extension of the of the regular season. But I went back and watched... The uh, so we played three games against the Flyers. And I didn't want I didn't watch a whole game. I just watched the, those ten minute highlights they have on the NHL YouTube. It, it, it's very very interesting. First of all, we did not lose in regulation against the Flyers this year. The two losses were in uh, were in overtime. Uh, game one, uh, it was Price versus Hart, which is which is relevant because the starting goalies definitely didn't play every game. Price looked really good, but then he allowed a really really soft goal. In uh in overtime uh unfortunately so that's definitely a game where kind of the Flyers dominated but Price kind of kept us in it. Then game two was Keith Kincaid against Brian Elliott so we kind of got to take whatever like both goalies probably won't play a single game well definitely not Kincaid is going to play this <laughs> in this series. That was the game I don't know if you remember where Suzuki had that amazing cross ice no look pass to Tatar to tie the game two two, and I, when I watched it I remind it reminded me of it right away like I remembered it. So it, it was a great, great game, but I mean, it was OT loss. It was Kincaid and Elliott, and then in the third game, the Canadians win four one, and you want to say, oh, the Canadians, okay, they win one game, lose two in OT. They win four one off two Ilya Kovalchuk goals, and it was Lion in net, who I honestly forgot existed before I watched that highlight clip. So <laughs> not really a relevant. Uh, win uh, for the Canadians to, to, to get that, uh, unfortunately. But watching those highlights, the Canadians can definitely skate with this team. They can definitely skate with this team. And if Price plays the way he plays in the first round, I mean, I think this is going to be a very low-scoring series, first of all, because both goaltenders are very good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, de- definitely. It's, it's going to be, a, once again, all about goaltending. Well, I mean, anytime Carey Price is playing, it's, it's going to be all about goaltending. But, I mean... Yeah, it's it's definitely a team the Canadians can compete with. I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy that we're playing the Flyers instead of the Lightning. I think the Lightning would have been a lot tougher. Um, I mean, the Flyers. I know, the Lightning off- have the Lightning though have Stamkos who's injured. They're in triple overtime with Columbus right now, which is screwing up the rest of the schedule. By the way, spoilers. Uh, but which is kind of funny to me. 
Lightning, I don't know. They're not look. Although I think they might just might match up poorly against Columbus. But I kind of agree with you though. Like I don't want to discredit the Flyers, but that's kind of the matchup I wanted too. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's yeah, it is true. I mean, Lightning, you know, without Stamkos is definitely not the same team. But I mean, I think we can definitely play against the Flyers. I mean, obviously they present a much different challenge just because. I mean, their physicality, it's going to be a, a different challenge, of course, than playing against the Penguins. But it's uh, it, it, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a tough series. It's going to be a long series. I mean, I think, you know, this it's probably going to go to six, if not seven games for sure. Uh, I think it's going to be close games. For sure. For sure, he says. For sure. D- Dustin guarantee. <laughs> Dustin guarantee. That's right. But, uh, well, I mean, I guaranteed so, last time they were going to win two of the first three against the Penguins, right? So. So, so do you think Nate Thompson will be the the, the game changer for the series? <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, no. it would be pretty pretty kind of not funny, but like I do like Nate Thompson, so I'm not rooting against him or anything. But it is interesting that we're here after selling it. Like, imagine if we still had Kovalchuk, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the, <laughs> uh, but like looking at the lines for the Flyers. They definitely have a lot of depth. While, while the Flyer, well, the Penguins, you kind of had to focus on their top lines. I mean, looking at it right now, like I don't know if it's because kind of if you look at the the Habs lines that were they were juggled a little bit for the last game. I don't know if Voracek usually plays on this third line for them, but that's where he's saw it right now. And on the slate I found here, I mean, that's just some crazy depth. You have Van Riemsdyk on the fourth line, who's obviously not the player he used to be, but still some some solid, solid, solid depth there. But you, know, you look at the defense. I mean, Provorov is a solid young defenseman. Niskanen's a solid defenseman. Then second pairing is Philip Myers and Travis Sanheim. I mean, it's nothing kind of crazy, really. Like, it, it definitely seems like a team like the Canadians can skate with, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, well, you mentioned, you know, Voracek and Van Riemsdyk, two uh, typical Canadians killers. I mean, they always seem to have success against the Canadians. Like a lot of the Flyers players, I think, actually. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have the fours. Their defense is, uh, it, well, you mentioned, I mean, some of the younger guys like uh, like Myers and um, – uh, Sanheim and and Provorov. I mean, definitely really good young defensemen. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then K- Carter Hart. I mean, his first playoffs. We'll see how he responds. I mean, you know, he's hey, first playoff against his hero, right? Like he said before that, like growing up, he Price was his favorite player. Yeah, so I mean, you know, and especially if Carey Price is playing the way that he that he played against the Penguins, it's always hard when you see when you're looking across at the, at the goalie on the other side of the ice and he's playing lights out, it puts a lot more pressure on you and, and him being a young goalie and you know basically idolizing Carey Price growing up. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of stress for him. It's going to be, it, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough. So, I mean, if, you know, if Carey Price is playing good, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Carter Hart to perform. And it's really interesting to see how he's going to respond to that to that pressure, right? Because he, he is really one of the, the the top young goaltenders in the league at this point, right? It kind of came out of nowhere and, and it became really elite kind of quickly uh, in the league. And it's just one of those things. Is this going to be the veteran, like to, to a lot of players in the league, considered the best goalie in the NHL, Carey Price? showing the kid how it's done or is it going to be a situation where the kid steps in and, and Carter Hart and kind of shows up the guy he idolizes as a kid and has a huge performance it's it's going to be really really a really interesting storyline to to follow uh for sure but what was interesting when I was watching the highlights what I noticed right away because you, you talked about Habs killers Thomas Tatar this year had some great games against uh 
against the Flyers. And like you said, he, he we didn't see him that much against the Penguins. Uh, but some players just have some team's numbers. I, I, I'm kind of looking out for Tatar to have a solid series after having a bit of a maybe disappointing uh, disappointing playing in the first round. Yeah, man. I, you know, I think, you know, Danil, Tatar, and, and Gallagher, I mean, I think, you know, Judien will probably go back to that trio to start. Uh, and, I mean, I think they're going to have a lot to prove that, you know, they, they know that they're supposed to be the top line for the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, after struggling, you know, quite a bit against the Penguins, I would say, I mean, they're, they're going to be looking to prove themselves right out of the gate. And, I mean, I think, um, I, you know, I mean, like you said, Tatar had success against the Flyers this year. So, I mean, I think he could definitely, you know, hopefully have a good series here. And, and they're going to need those guys to perform here, for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and a seven-game series like this, and it's the, the big difference here is that no team is coming in. The, the big thing coming into the last series is that who knew how teams were going to respond? They hadn't played in such a long time. And even though I don't think the uh, the round robin was the same thing as the plans, obviously, like it's it's like one one team has played in the playoffs already and the other hasn't. No team is coming in without having played in months, right? But the thing is, is that if if you look at the all, all the series in the first round, I would be shocked to not see one, if not two, per conference upsets. Because I do think that some of the teams that were playing in the round robin weren't aren't going to be as ready as the teams that were playing in the plans. It's just, there's just something about you know needing to step your game to the next level, and these teams that played in the plans have already did this. While the the round robins, you were I watched a, a few of the games, and you could tell you could tell just for, if you if you went from one play-in game, then started watching a, a round robin game, it just wasn't the same thing at all. You know, the intensity just wasn't there. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's not the same. I mean, you know, I mean, definitely when you're playing for your playoff life, there's you know there's some pretty significant uh, desperation to win. Um, you know, when the, the other play the other teams like the Flyers were playing in the round robin. I mean, they know that they're already in the playoffs. Sure, they'd like to play against, you know, they'd like to win the round robin and play against the worst team that comes out of the playing series. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, like you said, the the level of intensity definitely wasn't the same. It wasn't there. So it, it's, you know, I, you, you think, I mean, the Canadians might have a bit of a, a bit better or, you know, might be, might have better legs coming out of the gate here. And, I mean, I think if they're going to beat the Flyers, they're going to have to come out strong right off the bat and hopefully Maybe I don't know about catch them off guard, but they're going to have to uh, have to start strong and hopefully, you know, hopefully get a get off to a hard hot start. So let's make some predictions then. So you already said you think it's going to get go uh, go six or seven. So are, are you are you willing to if if you had to put money on it, are you putting money on the Canadians or on the Flyers? Well, you know, I I always love putting money down. So uh, I'd say the Canadians against uh, in seven. Canadians in seven. I mean, I'm not as uh, uh, optimistic. Like, I wanna, I wanna say the Canadians, but I, I, part of me thinks it's gonna go six, not seven. But I, I think in a seven-game series, at the end of the day, the better team is, is is usually gonna come out on top. And I just don't know if Carey Price is gonna be able to carry this team through this much, and 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 eventually it's gonna catch up. I mean, maybe not. Like, I don't know. Shea Weber has looked great. His rest. Like the defense has looked much better. Uh, we, we won while our first time was doing, doing that great. But I mean, realistically, I think I have to say Flyers is in six is what I think is going to happen. I mean, but, they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, but I mean, the one thing I, that, that, that strikes me is the Canadians were able to beat the Penguins in four games. And they were able to do that without any power play whatsoever. Yeah. 
So, I mean, if the Canadians can get even, like, a, like a remotely decent power play. Okay, do we have any reason to believe that's going to happen? No. Okay. <laughs> so, like, strange, I mean... Stranger <laughs> things have happened. Unless uh, prime Andre Markov on, on, uh, all of a sudden comes out of the locker room, uh, you know, uh, Mighty Ducks style, you know, like uh, like like a dramatic movie or something. Like somehow he got some 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 uh, some way to get young and healthy again. And, and I don't know. We signed him from the KHL legally. I don't know how that would happen. Anyways, this doesn't make any sense. There's the power play is not going to be good. It's just not. There's it, the it's just not there. Like. Unless they were hiding something during the plane, that that's the one thing that we don't have that guy to set anyone up. You know, Shea Weber's got a good shot, but he's not the guy to set people up. I just, I don't know. I do agree yeah. that, that will make a big difference. I just don't see it happening. No, probably. Well, I don't think they had any power play goals against the Penguins, right? I mean, even if you know if they can get one or two, it would, it would already yeah. be a bit of an improvement. But I mean, and and that's also you know not really getting a whole lot from your top line either. So I mean, if if that Dano Tatar Gallagher line can uh, can get going, I mean that's you know he, and and the rest of the guys can continue playing it the way that they played. And I but mean, I, you know, they get they got a shot. I hope this this young like I wouldn't be against him starting off the way he ended though with with Suzuki playing on the top line. But like we said, he probably wants to revert back to what's worked in the past. But I hope it's a short leash, like, or even making some changes there, during the game, maybe on the power play. You saw in Suzuki uh, there instead of, instead of Dano because I, I really like the idea of having Dano down on the third line while having Suzuki and Kachin. I mean more on, on offensive roles. Like I, I really really like the, the the look of that. I mean Paul Byron. Has looked as good as he like. He's looked good for the first time in a, in a very long time. Uh, basically, ever since he had that bad injury uh, at the end of, of last season, and he, he used to be a player that would that would be a difference maker for the Canadians. You could tell when when Paul Byron was, was playing or if he was injured. And you have Lekkonen on the other side. I mean, that's an amazing shut shutdown line. Dano Lekkonen and Byron, if they're playing at the top of their game, that's phenomenal. So yeah, I, I would great, love to see game. that again. And and I mean three guys that can they can obviously produce offensively as well. I mean exactly. So yeah, if the, I mean yeah, that that definitely is a great line. Um, I mean the, the, Claude Junior obviously you know he definitely has a lot of options. Um, I mean especially if if the guys are playing it the way that they played against the Penguins, it, it, like you said, I mean potentially you know he he can he can know that he can keep the players on a short leash, and if he has to make changes, then. You know he can and 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 still have confidence in uh, in what the guys can do. All right, I mean it's gonna be uh, interesting to see. I'm definitely uh, very excited, uh, a little annoyed that uh, the we don't get a Saturday evening game and we're getting like these afternoon games on Friday. I mean some of us do still have to work during this pandemic, you know. Uh, I am working from home, so I'm obviously just it's just gonna affect my work productivity and nothing else. But still. Still, I'd rather be able to just focus entirely on the game. But uh, uh, regardless of that, moving on from that, there is a bit of news to talk about, uh, too. Uh, it's looking like more and more likely that uh, the Big Ten uh, is not going to be playing. I mean, this was pretty obvious for a while. But w- what it means is Cole Caulfield right now has nowhere to play. Now, wh- where do you think, slash, where do you think he will, slash, where do you think he should play uh, going into the next year? So, I mean, basically there'd be two options, right? So it would be that he would play with the, uh, he could potentially sign with the Laval Rocket. Uh, so go down there and play with, uh, play for Joel Bouchard. And the other option would be that he plays in the OHL. It's the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds that own his rights. Um, so, I mean, I, 
I don't think there's either option is bad. I think one good point um, that uh, one of the guys that we had on the podcast recently, Marco D'Amico, made was that you know you don't want a guy. Was, I mean, okay, if he does go play in the OHL this season, then I mean it would really only be for one season, and the season after he's probably in Laval or you know maybe Montreal. So you, you don't necessarily want this guy changing leagues all the time. Last year was his first year in Wisconsin. The year before that, he was playing uh, for the. Uh, for the um, U.S. national development team. So, I mean, that would be like four different leagues, four different teams in four years, which is not really ideal for a prospect. And you take a look at just Louis LeBlanc, the way that he bounced around uh, playing for four different teams, or actually five different teams in five years. So you don't want to – you'd like the like a young guy like that, especially one of your top prospects, to have a little bit of consistency. Um, and and be able to get comfortable in the system and in the team on the team that he's playing for. So I think ideally, I'd like to see him in Laval. Though you know, it, I mean, playing as a 19-year-old in Laval in the AHL against grown men, especially when he's a small guy like like he is, is is definitely going to be a huge step up from playing at Wisconsin. I mean, the Big Ten isn't exactly the best conference either. So it's going to be... Uh, it but, would be- but if you're, if you're going to talk about his size, I mean, college has older players too, right? It's not just kids playing in college. Well, I mean, yeah, that that, that is true. That is a good point. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, they, there's guys that are... I mean, I think the oldest basically would be like 21, 22, maybe even 23. Um, so, yeah, that is a good point. Compared to the OHL, obviously, uh, it goes up to 20 years old. So, I mean, he has played with older players uh, at Wisconsin last year. But uh, I mean, it's still a significant step up playing in the AHL. But, I mean, you know, he, he obviously has that off- offensive potential. We're hoping that he's going to be in Montreal, you know, hopefully in, uh, in a year or two. So, you know, if, if he's really as talented as we think he is, then, you know, hopefully he will be able to tear it up a little bit against uh, against older competition in the AHL. See, and that's the thing, too, right? It's not like we expect him to grow another five inches, right? He's going to be a small player in the NHL. That is what it is. And if anything, he needs to learn to to play with bigger players, play against bigger players, right? So I, I, your, your whole point about him... Uh, not you don't want him bouncing around league to league. It, it makes a lot of sense to me, and you kind of keeping him closer by bringing him to 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 Laval. I mean, I think I mean at the end, I, I is it it's up to him. I would assume where where he plays, or do the Canadians make that decision? I'm pretty sure the Canadians are going to have uh, have a lot of say. They're they're going to like you know they're definitely going to persuade him uh, the the way that they want to go, and I and I and I feel pretty confident that it's going to be in Laval. But yeah, I'm so sure that I mean. It's 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 part of me. We got excited for a second, thinking we could uh, we could then go see him in Laval. But then they're probably not going to have uh, any fans in Laval anyway, so that doesn't make much of a, uh, much of a difference. But uh, hey, it's still it's a, I, I I'm excited at the idea because I mean we both like Laval to start winning some games maybe. So uh, I, I'd be excited to see Cole Coffee go to Laval and see what uh, what he can bring there. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, a prospect again, right? So moving so we did all these episodes talking about. Prospects that could land to the halves in the round eight, nine, ten spots. You know, all these great episodes talk about these prospects that will most likely not be available to the Canadians uh, at uh, the pick they will end up be picking as it is right now. So how it works is whether they lose in the first round or the second round, they get the 16th overall pick because they had the worst winning percentage left of players and they only do the reseeding in the in the last uh, two rounds. So 16th is the likely spot. And the guy we're talking about today, uh, this is. 
entirely for Dustin. I did no research, so I'm going to let you talk about him. Is Dawson Mercer. Tell me why the Canadians should draft him. Dawson Mercer. Well, I mean, one of my favorite guys that the, you know, the Canadians or that could be available to the Canadians at 16. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, we had, we were talking recently about the, the eight, nine pick, um, you know, had, had some guys on and obviously unless somebody falls, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to get the same type of prospect, but I mean, Dawson Mercer is definitely a great prospect. He's a guy that has actually been rumored to be interesting the Montreal Canadiens. He's a guy that I would, I would think they probably had a lot of eyes on him, especially at the end of the season. Obviously, I mean, first of all, he's playing in the queue. Um, he started off the season in Drummondville, but finished the season. He ended up getting traded to uh, to Shakunami for their uh, for their event. Well, I mean, their their Memorial Cup run that obviously never happened because of COVID. But um, the Canadians had two prospects there last season. At the end of the season, Samuel Hood and Ra- uh, Raphael Harvey Pinal. So a guy that I'm sure the Canadians had a lot of eyes on um, because they obviously had two prospects there. He's um, he played mostly right wing over the uh, over the last two seasons, though he did play center a little bit more at the end of the season and had quite a bit of success there. Put up a lot of points last season. He put up, if I'm not mistaken, 64 points in 42 games last year. Um, so a guy that definitely has a lot of offensive potential. Not only that, but actually put up 30 goals last season. So as a 16, 17 year old, which is definitely extremely impressive. He's a guy that, uh, like I said, he has played center some this year, but probably going to translate more as a right winger into into the NHL playmaking right winger. So he definitely has scoring ability, but he's more of a playmaker, very smart player and a high motor player. So he's a, the type of guy that really works super hard. Always, you know, he's in the gym all the time. He works really hard on the ice. He's a 200 foot foot guy. He plays on the power play, plays on the PK. So he's a guy that can really do it all. Has a, a great shot. Um, maybe not some of is you know as great a shot as some of the the higher end prospects in this draft. Same thing for his speed. He does have above average speed, but not to the same level as some of the guys um, you know they were talking about originally at the uh, at the eight nine spot. But I mean, I think if he he could potentially go a little bit higher, I wouldn't see be too surprised to see him go in the early teens. But I mean, hopefully he's available there. And I mean, I think if he is available at 16, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be one of the top picks for the Canadians. Like I said, they're familiar with him. And I mean, he's a guy um, not he's not from Quebec. He's actually from Newfoundland, but a guy from the that's played in the backyard here and a guy that, that potentially does have some top six potential. And I mean, I, I think, you know, with with his ability on the PK and the way that he plays in the defensive zone, and I think regardless, he he's going to be an NHLer for a long time, or at least has the potential to be an NHLer for a long time. You know, be it in the top six or in the bottom six. So he's uh, he would be definitely a great addition to the Canadians, I think. And and I think I think they're looking for wingers in this upcoming draft too. They'll probably draft a lot of wingers. So. If, from what I understand, the the defense in this draft is it is not that uh, that that exciting. The the defenseman pool, and as crazy as it sounds, because you mentioned that uh, he played a bit of center, but he's more of a winger, which would used to be a bad thing for us. But now I'm not that worried about drafting centers. As crazy as that sounds, it's looking pretty good down the center in Montreal these days. So sounds like a definitely a very interesting player, Dawson Mercer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we'd we'd love to have him. Like, yeah, like you said, it's not. Uh, it's it, at least not in the high end of the draft. It's not a not a great draft for defensemen. So, some of the defensemen that maybe 
shouldn't necessarily go in the top 10 might just because of team need and, yeah. and scarcity on defense. But uh, I mean, Dawson Mercer, you know, he, he could maybe go a little bit earlier than 16, but uh, if he's available there, which I think he will be, uh, he'd definitely be a great pick for the Canadians. All right. Great stuff. So we'll continue to do that. Maybe we'll do the, uh, the polls again, like, uh, like we used to, 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 to talk about some more prospects that could be available in the, in that range for the Canadians. And last little bit of news here, uh, the Florida Panthers asked to speak with Scott Mellenby, who is an assistant GM for Montreal Canadiens, uh, the Florida Panthers who just fired their uh, GM. Mellenby, who has a lot of history in Florida, actually was part of the team in the early days. Uh, it's definitely, it definitely could be a, a chance that uh, we lose him as an assistant GM. It's, it's hard from uh, from the outside to know how important he is to the team, but you always hate to, to lose some talented people in the, the back office. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't obviously don't know too much about what uh, what Scott Mellenby brings to the table. I mean, uh, you know, Benjamin is the one that uh, that we see in the press conferences all the time and that. But but I mean, he seems to be highly regarded. Definitely. I mean, he has that, you know, the 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 history with the Florida Panthers as well. He was their their first captain, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, in Florida Panthers history was I mean, probably their best player in their first couple of years. So. I mean, it, it, it does certainly make sense. Um, you know, he's been in, uh, in NHL front offices uh, for quite a few years now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it, it, it wouldn't be great for the Canadians to lose him. I mean, they, they lost uh, their prior assistant GM, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rick Dudley, a couple of years ago as well. So, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously they must be doing something right in the Montreal head, head, head office here if, uh, if they keep or if, if they're in such high demand. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully he sticks around, but uh, seems to be a decent fit in Florida for sure. All right, so that pretty much uh, covers it uh, covers it for us uh, here. Uh, I mean, I think we're both excited to have some playoff hockey to to watch uh, already tomorrow. So next uh, next episode we'll be able to talk about actual first round of the playoff of Montreal Canadiens hockey, and hopefully they're going to be in a position to uh, to win uh, at that point. It's, it still seems crazy to me that we're about to watch the. Uh, I can't help but laugh. It's it's, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, giddy with joy, man. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we'll probably do the the next podcast next Monday. Um, so game three, of course, is on Sunday. Um, so uh, hopefully by the time we talk again on Monday, the Canadians will be up at least two to one in the series. Yeah, let's say let's say two to one. Two to one is uh, is is not acting acting asking for too much. I don't think. I think it's realistic. All right, perfect. So as always. Follow uh, follow us on Twitter at the Habs Forum. Uh, feel free to shoot us some questions there if you have anything you want us to talk about in the future. And go ahead and order yourself some Manscaped products with the promo code Manscaped. Um, promo code at the Habs <laughs> Forum. Sorry. Uh, and uh, like us on Facebook and give us reviews on the uh, iTunes. We need more reviews. Did I give the wrong promo code for Manscaped? What is it? Yeah, it's Habs Forum. Habs <laughs> For Forum. 20- Know that. Just Habs Forum. Just Habs Forum. All right. We'll talk to you next week.